0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, Pills fans, we've got a new sponsor you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000 early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure to use the promo code XYZ to make your deposit risk-free. Visit HTTPS colon backspace backspace symbol.com and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. All right, let's talk about the Spotify Green Room app. It's live, audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to me, Chris Connor, other fans, athletes, you can talk to insiders in real time as news breaks. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every day. After opening night, go to Spotify Green Room, start a conversation with other fans and share your own experiences, share your own takes on the app. This is your chance to be featured. Alright, download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join your favorite group. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Sports Drink Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of The Bird Calls. Joining me as usual, Kevin Barrios and our editor-in-chief, Ali Cosell. But also joining us tonight, the host of Late Night with, on Twitter, <laughs> his faces, um, our man Chris Conner. Chris, welcome, man. How are you doing? Um,
2: man, uh, I feel pretty good. Uh, I mean, there, there hasn't been any big news that, that's dropped recently, has it? You know, I don't know, like, I know you know, like damaging articles or anything. Well, Zach day. Lowe,
3: I just listened to Zach Lowe's podcast, Chris. He said the season's basically over for the Pelicans, 12 games in.
2: <laughs> well, some people said it was over, like, no game
3: in.
4: One person said it was over last year.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> one said it was over when they hired that <laughs> lizard man to, to start running the franchise.
4: Oh man! <laughs> All right, this we're getting off to a good start. I wonder here. what eyes wide shut party he's at tonight.
1: But this is this has been for a team that only lost one game this week so
3: far. <laughs> I mean, two, no, two games this
1: week so far. They've taken about four or five L's off the court as well, um, and we are back in a place. Quite honestly, fellas, where the Pelicans are once again a laughing stock. And that is that is a hard position to be in, you know, two-plus years after the Anthony Davis era ended. Kevin, as the the suffering fan that you are, how does it feel to be 1-11 at this point and seeing what you're seeing both on the court and around this team?
4: It's crazy because, like, David Griffin has me, like, agreeing with my mortal enemies Brian Windhorst and JJ Redick and you know like that's that's the bad thing and then also you know like whenever you whenever Bill Simmons gets a chance to trash the New Orleans basketball team you go over it and right now you can't really counter what he says even when he has some factual inaccurate information um it's just uh it's frustrating um you know I i really want to thank chris for his spaces because those things are just so enjoyable like i'll watch the game and i'll just be like this just feel like so drained and disconnected and just uninterested anymore then i'll hop in that spaces and then within two minutes of being in that space there's somebody in there that's amazing that breaks out an incredible joke and it just fixes everything and then everybody starts riffing off of that and there's so many hilarious people in the city. And if you're having trouble dealing with uh, watching the games right now, I highly recommend you get in those spaces. I see a lot of people trying to gate keep those things and it's just weird to me. It's like, I just feel like whatever brings people joy related to this basketball team, I don't care if it's because you like the uniforms, I don't care if it's because you like the weird neon red uh, jalapenos on the nachos in the arena, whatever it is that brings you joy, great embrace that and enjoy that and if other people enjoy something you don't about it you don't have to criticize them for it you know um people be fans and uh take what they want out of out of the games and out of the experience and i'm glad that there's something that's providing joy for people because i know i'm not the only one in there that's dying laughing constantly listening to people with the most incredible jokes every week um or i should say every game because it's multiple times a week um, so if you're not listening to those, you should definitely start, especially if you're down in the dumps uh dealing with uh what's going on with this team.
2: Chris. Did Kevin just you know, become the, my agent? <laughs> i
3: have always you, been you run president. the
1: self-help group. You know, there's no coffee served and, and there's no name tags, but but you 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 are the mediator, the moderator, the originator. Um ha- when you when you're managing that space on a night to night basis, when you started it, what what were you thinking about? And now, as it it's, it's evolved, do you feel like you've created a monster? <laughs> so,
2: I mean the the original the original thought. I mean, I've seen other people. Uh, I mean, I wasn't the first person. I won't be the last to so, you know to kind of run these things. Right. Um, you know, I, I jumping in a lot of the um, spaces that. Uh, you know, my guy Vinay and, you know, Maples, as you guys know, they were doing a lot over the postseason. Uh, there was some inspiration there. Uh There was some, um, there's even some, you know, some Laker Lakers guys, I can't think of the names right now, but they do one, they do one after, after every game. And even, and even Shaman and Andrew did a couple last year, but, you know, for me, you know, it was more so just the thought of like, I, I felt like just we needed something else. You know I mean? I, Thought that the city, the team needed something else. I mean, the you know, you know, when you watch people tweet about the Pelicans, even people in the, that are in a city, you know, it's just a lot of times it's just it's, it's, it's very pessimistic. And I understand, like, I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard not to be in a, in a lot of cases or situations. I mean, my thought process was from the first one I did was that like people need therapy, and I don't know if I knew how serious you know it was when I when I thought that or when I said that. But it's clearly what it is for a lot of people, and I think more than anything, it's keeping, it's helping the engagement. I mean, there's no, there's no reason in hell for a one in eleven team to have a spaces or a platform uh, available uh, live to where people, three hundred people are in it. it. It's, it is, it's a monster to me right now. I, I, I can't tell you why it's as positive or why it's as as connected as it is. But my goal was just to give people something to laugh about, crack jokes, have a good time um it may not be everybody's cup of tea it may not you, you know we you know we talk we talk in ways that may not be uh you know some people are uncomfortable with I, I can't really do much about that because that's the type of energy and environment that I like and that that I wanted it may seem negative to some people in some cases but I mean we have a good time man and we when your team's 1-11 when your team's continuing to lose games and there's always something happening drama injuries you need something else to look forward to and if if I can provide that for people for an hour or two hours out of their day and give them a platform to speak, whether it's sometimes nonsense or something I don't agree with, you know, I mean, I wanna provide that. You know, you don't you don't have that everywhere when these games in at nine o'clock and many places you could call them to be yourself after you just watch the Pelicans blow a you know, uh give up a fourteen nothing run at the end of the third quarter again. So, um I'm just happy these people are rocking with it and, you know, I, I hope that I can continue it and you know, it continues to gain more uh, attention, esteem,
3: and love. Chris, I got a quick uh, question for you. Did it take off after Antonio Daniels made an appearance, or was it, like, as soon as you started the spaces, there there was basically 100 people there chatting with you? I, I mean,
2: I I think Antonio, yeah, I mean, he, he had a lot to do with it. I, I think that the first one we did, um... You know, it was somewhere around eighty. I had a, I had one that was maybe at a hundred, but the Antonio Daniels, you know, appearance kind of broke things open because I think that day we had like
3: eight hundred people in there, and it was crazy. Yeah. It was
2: like three. O'clock I jumped in the for a few
3: minutes. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, and I saw all that.
2: It was like eight hundred. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it was nuts. So I mean, it 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 brought a lot of a lot of different people that maybe, you know, didn't didn't know. Uh, I mean, and, and to be honest, I mean, it wasn't just Pelicans fans in there; it was people in there laughing at our pain from you know opposing fan bases, and you know, just people that just see like, yo, what what's going on? Like, it's it's three o'clock on a Tuesday; the, the regular season hasn't started yet. Like, like what's what's happening here? But yeah, I mean, I, I do I do think I, I owe some of that to to Antonio, but I I would say, man, maybe the consistency with it, maybe doing it every after every game or almost every game. It's what is continuing to bring the numbers, and then people are going out and tweeting about it afterwards, man. But it's the it's the fans at the end of the day, man. I, I just I go up there and host and try to try to keep people, you know, from killing each other. Um, and I mean, it's like like I say, the fans and the people that come up there, Grub, Kev, and uh, I mean, everybody is coming up there and saying something. They're offering something different, a different perspective, and to me, that's what makes it fun. We ain't always got to talk about the same shit or agree with what the next person is saying, but let's hear another perspective and then go ahead and talk about it. And it really, you know, it hasn't been, you know, anything too negative that I can re- really speak of as of yet. So, but AD definitely played a big role um, with his appearance.
4: Let me ask you I'll another you question. Minute, uh, uh, I was just going to ask Chris something real quick. Uh, you mentioned something when you were talking about when you started Spaces, you said something about a postseason. What, what is that? I don't understand what that means.
2: All right. <laughs> All right. I don't, I, Holly, I'm um, Sorry, man.
1: <laughs> Holly, we have to do this from a different way because you and I have to to get into the specifics every game. We have to get into the details, and we don't get to have our first reaction be visceral, um, like everyone else. But it is, you know, it's visceral during the game. It's it's it, it's hard to write the stories over and over again when you're here in this place and, and, you know, we've been here before when you're in this place where losing is just the constant, um, it becomes difficult to do your job. How, how much of a struggle has it been to, to, you know, to be impartial and not be too negative, but also at the same time, be completely honest about what it is that you're seeing.
3: It's probably been the most trying season so far and I'm hoping it changes, but yeah, it has changed the way I just live day to day. I used to like going on Twitter a lot more. I used to actually interact a lot more. But each losing season, each kind of disappointment kind of dragged me down a little bit further. COVID really changed things. But now this season, boy, we all had expectations of nothing mind-blowing, right? Um, I, I know most of us, including I know Grubb, we didn't even see, you know, probably a 500 season. But you felt playing tournament. You felt there was enough reason for excitement. And it wasn't just one or two players. And for us to suddenly find us here and just to be going down this ladder. I mean, I've started so many articles where I wanted to write something big and positive about Brandon Ingram. Got 700 words in. Then, of course, he has his injury. I just started writing something on Josh Hart. Then um, he got thrown out of yesterday's game. So, as you guys know, I like to look from a more positive angle because amid all this misery. Otherwise, I would just quit. I would literally probably stop watching even games let alone I would definitely stop writing, but it's been tough. It's been tough to just to talk to you once a week and others on on radio shows because it's almost the same damn topic. At least it's been for the last almost month now, right? Um, and, And I don't even know where to go from there because you look up and down, where do you find your source of optimism? Is it in the front office? No, it's, it's been here now for almost two and a half years or whatever. And, There's been no positive signs of establishing a culture of sustainable success. You look at the coaches. I'm in love with Willie Green, but if you count the last couple of years, well, you've got your fingers crossed, right? Well, he looks like the real deal. You hope he is. And it's all positive up front. But I could have said the same thing about, you know, Stan Van Gundy when he started his tenure. I know not everybody was on board. And you just go down the list with the players, right? We all have these dreams of Zion being the guy. Um, that's going to potentially lead New Orleans to a championship. Now we're talking about does this guy even care enough to get himself into shape, right? Do we think How much do we believe his family is going to be running interference all the time? And then it, just like I said, go down the list of players. Almost every game now, I feel like there's six or seven guys that Willie Green is forced to play, but he's not getting anything positive out of them. So, right, where are the positives? And, and I just look, and it's just disappointing, and really it culminated in last night's loss um pelicans i was feeling good they were up 38 31 or was it 39 yeah 39 31 i believe kyra lewis had a breakaway dunk and i'm thinking to myself i started typing out a tweet pelicans might be going on a run they're going to actually put away a game maybe you know in the first half in the blink of an eye you know turn the thunder made a turnaround then the technicals got called pelicans started losing their cool and i was getting upset at the time specifically i got mad at jackson hayes because I watched his reaction. I've seen that before out of him. Sure, he may have taken some contact, but he complains to the refs. He turns too much now and talks when, honestly, this guy can't even earn regular rotation minutes. Nobody knows who he is in the league, and he darn sure as heck does not have any kind of reputation. So, why is he talking in the game that they must have where they know the margin for error is small? So, to hear Willie Green then talk about it in, in the uh, post game, you know, I, I, I understood everything he was talking about, but that also made me solemn because, like I said, where are the positives? And Willie Green's having to deal with this, this mind-boggling turn of events, this excitement that he came on board for his first head coaching job to now find himself where he is today. I can't even imagine what it is for some of these guys that have to put in 14, 15, 16 hours a day trying to get these guys just to learn the game, get on the same page, because that's what it's taking right now, right? You can rely on Jonas Valanciunas, Devontae Graham, Josh Hart for the most part, uh, B.I. when he's out there, but really the rest of the guys, I mean, even, you know, what, Herbert Jones has his highlights and glimpses, but he's far from a polished product. And I'm not just talking about him uh, being, you know, an offensive kind of threat out there. He still makes mistakes defensively on reads and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. like I said, it's been just... A disappointment that none of us, and I mean even the most the pessimistic ones among us, could have foreseen coming. So it, it does. It, it hurts because how do you find any enjoyment from this? How do you want to keep watching, let alone writing or talking about it? I don't know. And that's where I find myself right now.
1: Yeah, my inner Larry Brown, you know, because I just love basketball. I, mm-hmm. I love it. I can watch it any level, anytime. time. And, and the Pelicans will take away your love of basketball. And I say that because it's just the, it's not in, it's never injuries. It's never this, it's, it's watching them play is just so incredibly frustrating. And if people who are Saints fans try to recall, it's, there was this time. I mean, I, I guess the closest for a lot of people would be the Ditka era. Um, and just how nothing, nothing was right. You know, there were there were occasionally there was a guy on the team. You know, Willie Rofe was there. There were other guys who were really good on that team. Leroy Glover. People who had talent. The team was terrible. Just awful to watch and you hated watching them. They weren't fun. And that's the way I feel this season about the Pelicans. It's like we we're being sold. We were sold and we go, hey, there's no problem. You know, David Griffith sat up there was, hey, it's all cool. You guys are tripping. You know, I don't know what the big deal is. Everything's going to be great. And then here you are 1 in 11 and you just lost two children. Your team is young, but these are these are kids. 19, 20. You know Shay uh Alexander is their leader at and he's only 1 year older than his cousin. You know what I mean? And so it's
3: it's bizarre to me
1: to watch
2: But that's
3: also what hurts, David, <laughs> uh, just to your point. We were excited yeah. about a lot of this roster. I, I I didn't meet one person that was pessimistic about, say, roughly half of this team. And now it's hard to be optimistic about more than half this team, right? I don't even know if you're at half. If
1: you're caught in 15 players, are you optimistic about the development at this point of year or higher? The people who have been here since the Pelicans, since, since Griffin took over? Because I'm not going to put it on... Herb. I'm not gonna put it on, um. You know, Trey. They're they're rookies, and they've been put into a crappy situation. But Naji in his second year now, regression. And we we were counting on Naji, counting mm-hmm. on him. After what he did, the, he looked in the end of last season regression. So Jackson regression, Nikhil regression. Um, you can't. You don't want to play Kyra right now. He's as bad a guard as there's in the league when he's on the floor. As far as contributing to losing. So where's the progression for any of these people that Griffin has brought in? And then your veterans that you have in Saturansky and in Temple are hot garbage. They don't help you at all. You got one thing right, and that's Valentunas this offseason. That's the one thing. And and Devontae has been solid. You know, and that's all you asked him to be was solid, but that's what he's been. Mm -hmm. But you got the one thing you got right. Was Valanciunas, and that was because you had to unload the mistakes you made last season. So, I mean, you guys tell me where have you seen development from this team from year one to year three with some of these guys? Are they better ball players,
4: Kevin or Chris? Anyone? can yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I mean you're exactly right, uh, Jackson. I, I, you know. I think you and I always kind of felt the same about Jackson Hayes. And towards the end of last year, he kind of changed my opinion of him. The way he was approaching the game and was developing um, looked like he was turning the corner and this season he is just as bad as he was his first season. Um, So it's a huge regression for him. Nikhil, you know, he's always going to fight through screens. He's always going to contribute little things here and there that are a positive, but offensively, until last night, he's really been a nightmare, and you know I'm one of his biggest fans. So like, um, I still have faith in him because he I see the tools that he has. He can finish with both hands. He's got a decent handle. Um, you know he's good at getting to the rim, but he hasn't been playing the way you want him to play, and then the shot has just been completely gone. Um, and then you know, Kyra has has been terrible. Uh, and, and like Najee Marshall has been terrible. And like you said, you know, like you, one of the people's main arguments about this team is, Oh, Zion and BI. Uh, so of course everybody's going to look bad and there's truth in that for sure. But also towards the end of last year, we didn't have Zion playing and not that's when Najee started was shining, right? He was playing. Really well down too. What's that? B.I. sat down, too. Right, right. So, like, he looked good in that role without those guys, and now he's a total shell of himself, no confidence, uh, not really playmaking like he used to do, not really fighting hard defensively either. So, I mean, like you said, you could go down down the roster. Anybody that was here last year is worse than they were. Anybody that was brought in outside of Valanchunas is worse than they were last year because even Devonte graham is looking worse than he was last year in charlotte now obviously you know it's a role change it's getting used to new people um, it's getting used to a new system so there's going to be that and i believe strongly in Devonte because you know i watched a lot of the hornets the last two years and he always popped off the page for me uh as a solid effort guy and a guy that could get buckets and contribute to winning um, so I still believe in him and I know he's better playing off of a, a star and Valentinus has kind of been, you know, a star. I mean, if we had a decent record uh, he would probably be an all-star center right now um, if they're voting, but obviously our record would keep him from, from getting that vote. Uh, so, you know, it's, it is troubling. Uh, hopefully, Naw's breakout game last night was actually a breakout game and we start to see him play that way going forward and the shots start falling, but mainly after he starts attacking the basket and that becomes the impetus of his game. And, you know, I don't know what to do with Jackson Hayes. Uh, I I think he's basically unplayable. Um, I would definitely be trying to move him if I was uh, in charge, but I don't know what you could get for him at this moment. Um, but, hey, if, uh, if if Memphis wanted some more size in the middle and they were willing to part ways with Brandon Clark, I would be more than happy to send him over there with some sweetener to get that done.
2: So, um, I, we did, we did forget Herb Jones, uh, of course. I mean, I, I think that. He missed a few games, so I, you know, I mean, his first, his first game. He didn't forget Yeah, her. yeah. Well, well, no, but but I'm saying when we mentioned when we mentioned the bright spots, you know, on the year, it was, you know, I mean, we mentioned Jonas, but it wasn't, it wasn't a lot. I didn't hear from.
1: Ollie, uh, Ollie you know, went through Herb. He, he was talking about how Herb had played uh-huh. well, but you know. But, but oh, go no, ahead. okay.
2: Okay, fair but, enough. Um, I, you know, yeah. I mean, I. It's outside of that, man. It's hard to really disagree with you know with much much that you, know, you guys have brought forward. Um, hey, Chris, let me I, ask you this,
3: so just to change yeah. it up for you, since you're, yeah, it's far, hard to find disagreement or something to add. How recoverable do you think this is? How much do you attribute uh, a lot of these slow starts individually to a lot of these young guys as just being a confidence issue? Um, so, therefore, there's a potential that once they find a the comfort time, zone, it? like Nikhil did maybe in one last night's game. Are you Com- saying
1: confidence or
3: competence? I'm talking about confidence because I feel okay. like that's at the root of a lot of these uh, problems that we see going right. on. But I'm curious on Chris's take. Like, do you think there sure. can be a turnaround with the vast majority of these young guys?
2: I, I mean, it's tough, man. Like, you know, on one end, I look at it and I agree with some people that say, yo, you don't have Zion. You don't have Brandon. Like, the shots look different. The opportunities, that you know, the roles, everything's going to be different. However, if there is one thing that you can't evaluate, if you can't evaluate, you know, result necessarily, you can't, you, like you can evaluate intention and, and, and decision-making. And I think that that's where some of this kind of hits the wall when we're talking about disappointment, like, you know, or certain, certain individual strides for Jackson. Did Jackson box out here? Did Jackson grab a rebound here? Did he put together, you know, multiple, multiple plays where he just looked like he knew what he was doing you know, did he have a back-to-back sequence offensively, or, or you know, or defensively, where you know you can see, oh, all right, he's putting something together. It's it's the overall consistency, right? Like Kyra, Kyra, has one game where he plays well, and then he has two back-to-back ones where he goes one for seven and one fade, and it's like, damn, it's like, you know, what, um, what can you really hang your hat on? Um, Nikhil, I do think Nikhil is going to going to figure it out and string some things together. I I do think that will happen because. He's a lot of it is mental, and I think if you you continue to give him reps, and if the situation doesn't change, you know, hopefully with Brandon coming back, that's going to open up some extra things for him, or maybe the lights just went off for him um, against his cousin, and you see the ball started going a little bit more. He noticed some of the things that work for him driving to the lane. I I just I do believe that 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 aspect is going to work, but um, yeah, I mean Ali. For certain guys, when we're talking confidence, Najee Marshall, man, I you know, the confidence in anything in regards to his offensive game is gone right now. The aggression mm-hmm. that we saw in the time—you remember the guy shooting mid-range
3: the, shots in preseason and summer league and yeah, getting five and rebounds yeah. in the first three minutes. Where's that guy?
2: The floaters, the floaters, the guy who yeah. would grab a rebound and push the you know push the pace on his own. Like right. now, you know he's you know he's almost afraid to do some of those things, and that's not who he is. Not that's not who he is verbally in regards to the energy and the shit that he talks on the floor, um, and that's not that's not who we thought we were getting based off some of the things that we've seen dating back to last year, you know, for a small a small period of time. Summerly, it just it, it it's not that it's game regress; it's the confidence. I don't know how that how that gets better for him. I mm-hmm. hope that there's a way. But yeah, I mean th- that's one guy. Trey Murphy is another one. Right now, I mean, he goes to a spot you know, uh, in the preseason, in summer league, where he's getting shots, getting opportunities, he's feeling himself, he's able to do multiple things on the floor. And now, all those shots are 10 times more difficult. And he can't find a way to contribute consistently, you know, to where he's feeling like, all right, I know what I'm doing. And yo, by the way, bro, you're a rookie. You know what I'm saying? So, so, I mean, for certain guys, yeah. I mean, I, you know, Jackson, off and, off and on. Playing this game, not playing this game. I, the only person, if we're talking confidence, and you know, with the with the people that we've mentioned so far, um, that I think will be okay, that I think can turn it around per se, is Nikhil, and I, I mean Brandon will return. Uh, I'm not I'm not really concerned about him, and I'm not concerned about her, but Jonas. But I, I mean a mass a vast majority of of those guys. I mean. I can't tell you how things are going to turn around for Kyra. What can Kyra do for you consistently if he can't, you know, convert a floater? If he can't convert, well, convert a consistent layup. If he's not a good outside shooter. If he can't impact the game defensively. Um, and then on top of your veterans who you brought there to uh, to bring some type of consistency to you, they're not able to get it done, you know, either. But it's man, I I don't have much else for you.
1: I'm put it. I'm gonna put it like this. You know you have the worst bench in the NBA. The Belicans have the worst bench in the NBA. And you were counting on everything being right with your starting unit. You're counting on Devontae starting with Nikhil, with Brandon, with Zion, with um, Jonas, and everything's supposed to fall behind that. But you have nothing but unproven players and Josh Hart on your bench. Nothing but unproven players and Josh Hart
3: of was it of supposed that, to be? I mean, Sadoransky was supposed to come in and lead the reserves. See, that whole
1: thing is, again, we talked about this today, Ali, on my show. Right. It's about the floor. The floor for this
3: team is incredibly low. And you have- I don't know. When yeah, you're talking about Zion and B.I., right, healthy, I don't know. Yeah, I'm saying it is still because you don't
1: have – the things you can control, whether Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson are not there, this team isn't good at. They're, they don't make the they don't have the mental parts of the game down, so you just because oh well, all of a sudden Zion and Brandon are here we're going to be smarter, we're not going to dribble it off our feet, we're not going to play poor defense, we're not going to get caught throwing the ball into the stands, we're not going to take bad shots because there's going to be points even in those games where Brian, uh, Brandon and Biot, Brandon and uh, Zion have to get off the floor, so the things they can control and that's what Willie's talking about. That's what Willie's talking about. It's not, it's competing. It's not just the effort. It's how are you engaged mentally? And on a night to night basis, when you know, you have a, a, you are undersupplied in talent. You cannot be undersupplied in intellect and execution. And every night, every night against teams that they should be more more than just competitive with. You're talking about if the keel doesn't make a layup at the end, five straight double digit losses and seven of your 11 are by double digits that is not just a talent deficiency because other bad teams around the league ain't losing like that and it's I will it, say, to me, you can you, you can put all, you can put Zion and Brandon out there to, and you can hold on to that but i promise you this is the same team that won 31 games a year ago with that, with Brandon and Zion on the court for most of that season And you've gotten these and you're taking guys around them who have regressed or who are just not ever going to be better than they are. That bench is not going to be a great bench when Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson come back because those players are not going to be better. The mix wasn't right. You still didn't go out and get shooting. You only came back. You had the same amount of proven shooters when you started this season that you had last season. You had Ingram and Zoe last year. You have Ingram and Devontae this year. And you're counting on Jonas. And Jonas is your best three-point shooter right now.
3: Yep. But you have
1: no other consistent three-point shooters on your roster.
3: Yeah, let me, yeah, to your but, point, let me read this, and then I'll let either Chris or Kevin respond. And it's a, it's a quote that I mentioned to you on your show today from Josh Hart after that loss to the Mavericks when he was trying to pinpoint exactly why their struggles. So this is what he said. Morale isn't down. We still have that pop. But we've got to make sure that we, I feel like sometimes we toe the line between that energy and that pop and a lack of attention to detail, he said, after pausing for a bit. I think that's the biggest thing. For us, being young is not an an excuse. Losing's not an excuse. We've got to make sure that we are focused and we have an attention to detail on the scouting reports and have game discipline. When we do that, that's when things are really going to start to turn around. We're not bad at those things at all. We've got to grow up and get better at them. I think that's something that we've got to do and we're going to do. Something that we've got to continue to build on. Hold each other uh, accountable. And then he went on to talk about, you know, the guys being young, that they've got to dive into their film work because they can't get as much practice time in. So, whatever. Kevin, Chris, you guys want to respond to any of that on what we're talking about? I, I, I mean, look, I, I,
2: where I'm at with I guess the first part where what Grub was explaining, I I do I do believe that Zion and Brandon they help from from this perspective as a basketball player when you're out there when you're out there with guys and along with Jonas and what you're expecting from Devontae Graham and probably I mean but I think that those two guys and mainly mainly Zion they are going to put these other guys in a in a position to where you're talking about them being more relaxed, you're talking about them having to do less, you're talking about them having having different type of shot profiles. Is it going to fix is it going to fix some of the silly turnovers? Not no, not necessarily. But I do believe that some of that has to do with, with some of these guys just trying to do too much things that they are they are incapable of doing. Their roles change They're when Zion of and making Brandon return.
1: Impact. They're incapable of making a basic pass. They're incapable of keeping up with their defensive assignment against the
3: team. I'm against
1: not, teams like the Thunder, I'm not I'm, not. I'm not.
2: I'm not debating that. I'm. I'm not debating that, Grub. I'm not. I'm not debating this current team and what and what they're doing. I'm just saying, if we're talking about, we can't. I can't act like bringing in a guy that's averaging 27 and goddamn uh, what what what. 27 and seven or eight or whatever it was on 62 percent shooting right one of the best paint scores if not the best paint score in basketball isn't going to open up yeah but 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 grub listen listen we haven't seen that with this particular team if Jonas is playing is playing this well you don't think you don't think that 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 adding zion and brandon elevates elevates his his workload too. You don't think that it's going to open up even better shots for Devontae? You don't think it changes Nikhil Alexander Walker's role? You don't think it, it it gives Trey Murphy, who may have a few open shots, a lot more wide open shots with number one's ass on the floor? Like you know at all? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I just think everybody's role changes.
3: Those two, I'm not saying it fixes everything. But they're not going
1: to be a good basketball team.
3: No, I but I, I, I agree to Chris's point on this too, Grub. I disagree with it. that, Grub. I will bet I, you.
1: I'll I'll bet I will bet it. you anything I will bet you the blood out my I will bet you my life that I, I just it, they won't be a good basketball
2: team. I'm not saying that they're going to be a good bad but a, a good basketball team whatever 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 is defined what whatever we use to define that but what I am saying is some of these guys are going to play better just off of you play basketball grub you know what it's like to play with scrubs and play with two and, and play with really good dudes and how it changes
1: You can't make make scrubs into not
3: scrubs. And some of those dudes are scrubs for
1: whatever reason.
3: I think, David, I honestly disagree. I think focus changes. I think confidence levels affect your ability to focus. Where
1: have you seen this with with a team? Y'all be writing these fantasies about basketball teams, and that stuff doesn't happen in reality. Tell me where you've ever seen it. Explain show me the team that that happened with with a group this young with a group this unaccomplished. Tell me where it happened. Show me where didn't it Nikhil happened. Because otherwise it feels like y'all are just dealing in a fantasy.
2: No, I don't think I, I don't think that's the case, man. Didn't didn't the kill in the small in the small vacuum that we've seen, right? It's right around the amount of games that he's played that he played this year, the games that he played with Zion for every minute, didn't didn't the kill play? pretty damn well for the most part. I mean are we are we acting like that, that doesn't that that doesn't, you know, that well, doesn't matter. What was the sense? record
1: in those games, Chris? I
2: yes, I understand the but we're talking about the basketball players as well, right? You said that some of these guys
1: aren't going to get better. No, Jackson you said, Hayes you is said not some of these guys aren't, aren't going to be better not. basketball players. Billy Hernan Gomez can't even get on the court right now. I so what are we talking about Billy? <laughs>
2: Some of these guys you can't change. I'm not talking about Jackson, but there are a handful. There are a handful okay. of guys that that I think Zion and Brandon. Just because their numbers are the so better. To, don't mean they're, they're
1: better. To. Somebody got to get the numbers. Somebody's got to get the numbers. It's the NBA. Okay. Somebody's got to get the numbers.
3: I disagree. I think with Chris, I think he's right. Some players would benefit. We see the best players in this league bring up. Scrubs. So if you put a guy that performs kind of well, but he's a replacement level player, then all of a sudden he goes to a different team, and all of a sudden his production drops off, and people wonder why. That's the effect, I think, of having a, a guy like we think Zion will be. And certain times, Brandon. We've seen oh, it with God. LeBron, Michael Jordan. I've watched David. Think of all the times you've watched the Knicks or whatever some of your favorite teams were, and then think about the role players and when they go elsewhere. Anthony Mason, was he ever anywhere as good as he was with the Knicks? Yeah, he I mean, made an all-star
1: go- team with Charlotte and he made one all-star or two years. Miami. Huh? He made an all-star team with Charlotte after they traded him.
3: Yeah, just for one year, and he dropped off a, a cliff after that. <sighs> okay. I, I just think that Anthony Mason. I think was both also honestly, I think both you and you compare him right to these to
1: kids that don't know how to play basketball. You compare Anthony Mason because Anthony Mason would be a starter on his Pelicans team.
3: Oh, my God. Yeah, he'd be great.
1: <laughs> so so that's not a fair comparison because you wouldn't start any of the dudes on that bench.
3: The you only one. Think, that I but, but you're have... missing the point, though. I don't want to get off topic too much here, but I'm just saying you don't think that having the star guy soaking everything up suddenly puts other guys at ease to where their focus is better but, that they don't.
1: What have we said about those star guys the whole time? Zion hasn't even hasn't shown the leadership to get himself in shape. It's not so the leadership. leadership. It, it's, it's just leadership. soaking up the
3: attention, having the ball, and the other guy's like, okay, he's got it because he's going to, what, touch it 60, 70, 80 times, and he's going to dictate. When does that happen, February? I don't know. That's the biggest question, right? So
1: you, you talk, see, that's what I'm talking about. Y'all talk about what might be. I'm talking about what is. And the fact is, y'all, you're counting on we something. Can we can talk about both.
3: We can talk about both. These, this can't act you like what the first 12 games is going to uh, be what we see for the last 70. I, I, no, I'm not going down that road. All
1: right. All
4: right, Kevin. Um, I mean, I'm kind of in between all of you guys in, in this sense. like I agree with a lot with what Chris said and Ollie said, but I also understand where you're coming from, and I agree with that to some extent because I, even – you know, we've said this, we've been saying this forever, is like they put Willie Green in a terrible position. He was the kind of coach they should have hired year one. And now he's in this position where he has to learn he has to learn on the job with guys that aren't ready to do the job. And so you can't expect this team to hit on all cylinders, even if they were healthy at the beginning of the season for quite a while because there's so much learning and growth, not just from the players that needs to happen, but also from the head coach. Um, And then now you take Zion and Ingram out of the picture and it becomes much worse. Uh, But, you know, one thing, if you put Zion and Ingram back in the picture, then that's two of, as you would say, scrub guys that don't have to play anymore because you have these two guys in that rotation. So now you have better basketball players on the court to begin with. And I agree in the sense that they draw so much attention that it makes everybody else's job easier. Other guys don't have to press as hard to make plays. When all else fails, get the ball into one of those guys and let them go ISO and and get a bucket. And it makes everybody's job easier. Um, I still think we're probably around a 500 team. If they, if they had perfect health through the entire season, which we know you can't count on, especially in, the COVID era because some I'm probably going to have to miss games because of, of COVID protocols, then, you know, of course injuries are a constant issue with this team for its history. Um, so like, you know, it's it's a bad situation and I feel really bad for Willie green, but I do think this team will look, really look a lot better, a lot more competent when you win or if those two guys come in and get to play together for extended amounts of time. And also allows you to stagger, so that you always have two, uh, or at least one, but often two of, and Valanciunas on the court at all times. So you have three caliber level players available. Have two of those on the court at all times, which will totally elevate everything else that happens. Now, how bad are those guys around them? Right now, they look really bad. We've seen flashes from some of them in previous years that make you think that they could be better um, once things change or once they get more comfortable or once they have more safety valves and those two healthy guys coming back, sure. Um, but it's no guarantee. You know, This team has always struggled with low IQ basketball players forever, it seems like, since, since Chris Paul left. And it appears we have a lot of those guys on the roster still. Um, so I, without changing that, I don't think you're going to see a drastic improvement. I think there's still moves to be made now. Who's going to be allowed to make those moves? Who should be allowed to make those moves are questions that we got to look at going forward. Um, but I mean, I think at least the game should become more enjoyable, even if it doesn't translate to winning once those guys come back and for a season that is basically lost already, uh, that's really all you can ask for, or to at least be fun to watch them again. And uh, hopefully, you get some internal development. That day. and they probably banked too hard on that internal development being the thing that moves them uh, forward, especially with a brand new coach with no head coaching experience. Um, but that's what they banked on, and now this is what is reaping uh, right now. So it's frustrating. But, I mean, I do agree. I think it's going to look a lot better when those guys are back. I still don't know that it's going to lead to a lot of wins yet. Um, I see their potential for that to happen. But I think starting out in this huge hole that we're in, I, I think you can write off any chance of playoffs. Maybe you could still sneak into the play-in tournament as the 10th seed. Uh, and if you're good at that point, maybe you can get into the playoffs. But – uh, I just think we dug ourselves too big of a hole and we have no idea when Zion's coming back. And that really is the only thing we can really hope for to really catapult this team forward is for him to come in in shape, committed and at least play 50 games this season.
1: If you count, if you if you would say the low part to be 10 would be somewhere around 36, maybe 36 wins. So that means they'd have to go 35 and 36 the rest of this year. We said they would if at at full strength, at full strength before the season started, before we knew about any injuries, the best bet was that they could get to 500. So if they're never, and and that's the thing this season now is they're never going to be at full strength because there's no way Zion will get to peak shape at any point of the season. If he doesn't play until December, is he going to be all, you don't get in shape in January, February, playing games. So if he's under those restrictions in minutes, he may not be playing 30-plus minutes a night until February or late January. And by then, where is this team? And we've already talked. We've just seen Brandon Ingram miss two weeks with, it, with um, his hip contusion, which is about what it would take. But again, you can't trust anything. And, and my thing is, it's not as much on the players as it's about the fit they don't fit the roles. It doesn't matter people are not gonna slide back into their natural fits because there aren't enough people who fit in those places. You've got the, just cause you have a guy who plays that position doesn't mean he should be there. And you built this team on a fragile premise that everything with our starters goes right and all of our young people grow up at the same time. And no team has ever had that happen. You Griff bet on a bad premise. And he bet on a. He put it all on a table with a shaky leg, and I'm sorry. I just, yeah, it'll look better. They'll score more. It'll be a best. Are you? Are you? Is the defense going to get better when Zion comes back? Is the offense? I mean, is is he going to be a stopper? And it could change things for Jonas Valanciunas absolutely because now his touches are going to look different. So yeah, then he's got to readjust to what Zion. Is doing Because the places where he occupies right now, he may not occupy those when Zion comes back. He's never played with Zion, not one minute. So, yeah, it's easy for a grand to adjust. But then what do you do about Herb Jones, who's been your best defender? And his role now changes, and you're putting him against second unit scorers more often instead of being able to use him against first unit scorers as much as you'd like. So, yeah, people's roles will change, but it also will impact some things that we don't know yet. We can't assume that all the things that come in will innately be positive because it's it's not going to be 100% health for Zion or Brandon from the day they get back. All of them, both of them will be nicked up and trying to get in shape the rest or trying to deal with an injury because Brandon will get hurt again. And if you, so you're lucky if you get 50 games out of Zion, you're lucky. And if you get 60 out of Brandon, so if you play 60 games with Brandon Ingram, and fifty with Zion, do you think they go five hundred in those games? Don't. No. You know, I I don't think. I mean, for me,
2: none of none of my argument was was based around playing or how many games they would they would win. I just looked at a certain group of players, a handful of players that I felt like adding those two guys changes a lot for them on the floor mentally. Um, changes, it, it, it takes, it just makes the game easier for them. That's, that's my thought. Trey, you know, um, maybe, maybe Herb, Nikhil, like those are the guys that I'm, that I'm looking at. Josh Hart, like those are the individuals that I'm looking at and saying, okay, you slide those two dudes in, something, something positive is going to happen with those, with those individuals. You also slide them in, and a few guys that we're seeing right now don't touch the floor at all, which could be a positive in itself. You know, so that's, that's the mindset that I'm coming from. You know what I mean? Trey Murphy's shots are going to be different when number one and 14 are out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the, that's the perspective that I'm coming from with it. Does that, does that mean that, they, that, that they're going to go out there and win a bunch of games and go on, a, go on these winning streaks that we haven't seen enough from in the franchise history? No, not, not necessarily. But does it make certain does, does it make some of these guys look more competent and consistent since we because that's what we were kind of battling with earlier. I think it does. And I think it will personally. But you know, that's just that's just how I see it.
3: Yeah, but here's the thing. When's Zion gonna be back, as David originally said? So really it's Brandon Ingram and what can you get from the guys that are struggling right now? And that's what really Green's great. gotta figure out, and I'm not confident he's gonna be able to, you know. And you so, Brandon
1: thirty seven plus minutes before he got hurt. He was 37 minutes every night, and you don't have a legitimate three to play behind him. So, if when he comes back, he's going to be pushing 38, 40 minutes some nights off that hip. Well,
3: yeah,
1: that's what I like. There's no argument. I don't there. blame the players as much as I blame how this team was put together. There were guys that needed to move on when you got Trey. I think you needed to get somebody else up off that bench and get some more the, the veterans that you went and got. Again, to me, the ultimate thing about the Pelicans is not, their, not the potential that, that guys have. There are a lot of guys on this team with potential, but when you have all these guys with potential, you are guaranteeing that none of them will reach it because no team in the NBA can devote the type of time and resources to develop six guys. And none of these guys are mature enough to do it all on their own in a summer. So you don't see the kind of Kobe work ethic. You don't see the kind of Giannis where to compare most guys to that. But somebody on this team has to show that kind of tenacity who's a star level player. And you've not seen it out of any of them. Even what you saw out of Brandon, he looked better and more competent and more efficient as a scorer. But was he – did you still see an imprint defensively? Did you still see an imprint? As I saw a huge while? improvement
3: from the last few years. Right? I mean, didn't we see that? And what about Jonas Valanciunas? I think his work ethic and his demeanor – I love
1: Jonas. I have not said anything negative about right.
3: Jonas. But I'm just giving you positives on why I think the situation could improve. Not would, could. Because I feel like there's certain things that are on this team that weren't there last year. They were they, they had the benefit of health last year. They're not gonna have that this year. I think we've established that pretty good. But I think there's a certain vibe, even with Devontae. there's a certain it's just different, right? You move Bledsoe automatically, Steven Adams, who doesn't give you much, and of course Lonzo's, you know, up and down roller coaster. I feel like that eventually is going to somehow, you know, transpire to where now with this current group, things are gonna be better once. Zion, even though he won't be 100%, but he'll be out there. You know, I think Zion at 75% can still get you great numbers and lead you to wins. B.I., yeah, he's going to be banged up, but guess what, David? B.I. has been banged up his first two years an awful lot. Remember how much we talked about his knees one year? Right? It bothered him. And yet his numbers dipped a little bit, but he's still contributing. But now that he cares on defense, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not burying this team yet. I can't do it.
1: As of today, if you're – what's your – uh, all three of you guys uh, first. Ali, yeah, uh, what would be your, then just, if you had a day to adjust your wins, how many games does team
3: win? Oh, you know, that's impossible because you got to get Brandon Ingram back. Number one, give me a
1: 10, game. give me a 10 of a, a, a 10 game window between what and what?
3: I mean, I would say in two weeks time, if Brandon can stay on the court, these guys start developing a little bit of that chemistry because the second unit, my God, they're a dumpster fire. They've got to get somebody firing, and giving them something. Whether it's Kyra, Saturansky, um, Nikhil being a little more consistent, but they got to get something. And I think they should. I, I just don't see that all these guys are going to hover around 30% field goal percentages, right? Um, so, I don't know. I'm thinking about two weeks' time. If they can start playing four and six type of uh, every two weeks, right, every 10 game allotments, then – you know, I can see that chance for improvement, but it's going to, of course, take BI being out there healthy. Devontae's still giving you what he's been giving you, especially with Valanchunas, right? So you're going to, yeah, it's putting an awful lot of eggs in one basket, but I think, it, I don't know. I think the, I don't know. It's, there's, it's, it, there's a chance. <laughs> Chris,
1: how I many? Give me a 10 game window. Dog,
3: I, Your best I, guess
1: yeah.
2: today. I, I mean, whew. Nobody's gonna crucify um, I, 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 I think, man. I mean, you probably just because I don't know, and I can't even tell you if Zion's gonna play a game this year because the timeline continues to be pushed back. I, I, I believe he's gonna step on the floor, but do we get to a spot to where they just say, "Fuck it," no, like you know, just, you know, let's hold him out. Let's not, let's not risk it. We're two and you know forty-eight. I mean, I, I'm, I'm being, I'm exaggerating here, but. Um, I will say that I think when Brandon when Brandon was out there, um, I mean it's cl- clearly the games were a little bit more competitive. Um, you know they had you know they had opportunities. Hawks game for example, yeah, Kings game to make and a Kings run back, games,
3: man, they hurt. Yeah,
2: I mean, and and then in the game without Brandon, you know, you know you see them fight all the way back to get it to, what, to, to within one or within two, and you went through the R.J. Barrett experience. So I think it's enough fight there. The players are telling you, you know, it's the same thing. And I think that they're going to stand with Willie enough. If Brandon's out there, you may be a 31 team, maybe somewhere, somewhere in there. I mean, that's, Mm. that's, that's my best guess. Zion is what elevates them, you know, beyond that, closer to a 500 or better team. He's that important and makes that much of a difference in my eyes, um, whether he's in shape 75% 75% you know or not I just I think he's that much of a of an x factor that the teams have to deal with even if it's just offensively you know um so I, I'd say somewhere in that 30 to 30 win mark they're gonna fight enough they're not gonna quit on Willie I mean I just I just don't believe that they are
4: Kevin? Yeah. yeah I mean I'm gonna say that they're gonna be a 29 win team and the t- 10 game swing would be uh 24 to 34 wins, I would say. I think 34 is their ceiling. And my big concern is when Zion comes back, is the hole gonna be so deep and his relationship gonna be so strained with David Griffin in the front office that he's not gonna give a shit. And, and you know, so you're counting on this paint monster to to come in and solve things, but if he's not committed, if he feels like the season's a waste already, if he's disgruntled with the front office, which it already seems like he is, um, how much effort is he really going to put out? Um, and, you know, how long will it take us to ramp him up into playing, uh, playing shape? And when, and like you said, when is he even coming back? We have no idea. Um, so th- I, I'm more pessimistic than I've ever been this season. And um, I think, you know, 29 seems about right. Uh, 29, 30. Right, right at that, uh, that line um, seems about right to me because I was considering them being right around 500, you know, not expecting full health, but just in a normal situation where we start the season where everybody's healthy. I think some people are going to miss time here and there. Um, and now we know Zion's out really indefinitely, and, and we still don't even know when Brandon's coming back because it keeps looking like he was supposed to come back three games ago. And he's still not back yet. So we'll see how it stretches out. And without some major turnaround, without some major shuffling of the decks or, you know, somebody getting a a miracle health cure, then um, I think it's uh, a pretty bleak look uh, in the win column. You know, I'm just hoping we get to have some fun basketball again at some point. One thing I quickly
3: want to say, Kevin, because you mentioned at the start of your uh, discussion here, is the fact that Griff... Enzyme. I saw them yesterday in pregame talking, uh, cordial, smiling. And then I saw it today after practice between BI and Griff. So I just want people to know, even though I haven't tweeted out, that they're on at least, it looks like happy terms with their GM. Because right now, there's probably all sorts of things being said. So I just wanted to put that out there.
1: Mathematically, to get to 29, they got to go 28 and 42 the rest of the
3: way. What was that again, David? I missed it.
1: There's 70 games left in the season, right? So yep. they'd
2: have to go 28 and 42. Lord, please let that at least be doable. <laughs> Lord, please, I'm begging. I mean yeah. I have never been so I've never been so thirsty for a 31 team. <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: Like, Christ, so the, people like Shemid are arguing,
3: with. what's the point of that then, right? So, that's the
1: what I was leading up to. Is okay. Let's say they get to thirty wins. Let's say that happens. Is that enough to save David Griffin's job, Kevin?
4: No, I mean I I I find it hard without some major major turnaround and some huge proclamation from Zion Williamson. I really don't think David Griffin's job is saved. I think he will be fired at, at whether it's the end of this year or before the trade deadline um because I just think this whole thing has been a, a complete mess and you know you look at I mean you can look at all the moves break down all the moves I think the coaching thing is enough you know you fire a coach every year you set this franchise back years because of that um I think you know we were talking about it in the spaces last night uh Shamit brought up like rebuilds and Grub, you always talk about this how how David Griffin started on third base with all the assets he has. Now you look at uh, the other teams that were sort of doing the similar kind of rebuilds, like Memphis, like that, they have more assets now than we had, um, or than we have right now, and we don't really have much to show for it. Um, so that's frustrating. And then the other thing is just that, you know, the most important thing is that relationship with Zion Williamson, and it's good to hear what Ali has said. Uh, about that but you know that's in front of media so we know what it's what it's really like when they're apart from each other or when they're together outside of the eyes of the media um and I'm sure both of them sort of have an agreement to make it look like we everything's happy-go-lucky for both their reputations when they're in front of the eyes of the media um not not to really project but you know we know that there's unhappiness there in that situation that's not Um, that's not something we're fabricating here. And from the beginning, that whole relationship was mishandled. You know, Griffin, like, probably gave up too much leeway. To start out, he didn't manage that relationship. He wasn't stern enough from the beginning. So then once they start to take an inch, obviously they start to take a yard. And then now you're in two years losing. You have uh, um, the most promising young prospect that there is in the league uh you know that's still on his rookie deal and and everybody wants him and there's nothing really to tie him here you know when he was in when he was in cleveland and and lebron james came back he didn't like that because you know he wanted to build organically and he didn't want to be told what to do by a superstar or have a superstar dictate what he's doing. And now he's having that again with Zion Williamson, who is a guy who hasn't really been able to stay on the floor and you haven't been winning. And that guy doesn't have an emotional tie to the city because he wasn't born here. Um, So managing that relationship is the biggest thing. And if there's fracture there, if there's any hints of fracture with all the other stuff that is also out there, all the bad drafting, all of the bad team building, all of the coaching stuff, all of the losing press conferences, losing the I mean the Lonzo trade so badly, all of those things. You know, I just don't see how he recovers. Um, especially, um, I think Shamit also said this in those spaces is that you know uh, the people that are involved, uh, like read I mean sorry, Gail Benson's um, inner circle and the this uh, like Mickey Loomis, and all of those guys. Any. Negative Dennis Lausche, they, they don't want to be viewed as a laughing stock. They went through that with the Saints. They established themselves as a premier franchise in this. And they don't want to know that for the other franchise that's in the building. That it's, again, that there's a joke of a franchise and it's an embarrassment. And I'm sure, you know, Gail Benson doesn't want her name in Bill Simmons' mouth anymore. or Things like that. And all of that is building up. And all of these reports coming out fighting with Alvin Gentry, who we know Gail Benson had a good relationship with, all of those kind of things just spell doom for David Griffin. And I think it's more of a matter of when than if.
1: Chris, are we looking at um, a lame duck winter? Um, Because it does impact this team that if Griffin is empowered to make moves at the trade deadline, if he's not going to be here next year, do you expect the organization is if he's not fired at that time, if they don't make moves, do you take that as a would you take that as a symbol or a sign that he's not coming back?
2: I mean, they did it is what they did to Dell Demps, you know, um, you know, during that time, they, you know, let him let them finish out the year. They made their decision uh, right around that Anthony Davis trade request and, you know, pretty much blocked him from making any moves that could, uh, you know, that could help or hurt the team's future. And they wanted to let the next guy you know that that came and make it you know make those moves now this situation is 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 interesting because uh one of the things that I keep hearing is that if, if if griffin is is let go, they would keep uh you know a lot of people that we you know that some of us are fond of that are in the organization in the front office now they would keep them maybe someone gets elevated or or they just just wipe out the president you know of basketball operations title completely. And you see Langdon, you know, and you know being the guy and Swin and so on and so forth. But um, so that that part I'm interested in, you know, maybe maybe it's a situation where he doesn't get out about Griffin's future. They still make moves, but Langdon's the one that's really you know you know that's pretty much making them. Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't, you know, the Gentry thing is 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 incredible, and I'm and I'm kind of I'm kind of interested that, that, that we didn't talk about that really at all i mean you know Gentry one in the clothesline griffin i really i mean that that wasn't in the article but you know me knowing Gentry the way that i do especially after a game or as you guys know i mean i could i could expect that his choice words weren't of the you know of the uh pg-13 variety but um yeah i mean i another another season where this team doesn't end up making something happen they don't sniff a plan um Zion's future continues to be up in the air. You know, Brandon Ingram. You know, your second guy in charge putting putting too much too much on his shoulders. Um, the pieces, the guys that were kept, um, uh, the rookies that you know were supposed to make jumps. If they don't make jumps, which so far we haven't seen consistent leaps or or, or anything close to it. Um, and then, I mean, look, I mean, you, you know, you know, you put your coach, Willie Green, you know, in a, in a real tough situation. No one's saying anything positive about, you know, about the organization. It, it, it's constant, you know, shitting on New Orleans. In any case that you can, if people aren't showing up for the game, you know, on top of that, it's just, you know, how can you move forward with Griff? I mean, what this was supposed to be the year where things shifted. we talked about it. We've been talking about this almost since, you know, the end of year one, mid part year one, like year three was supposed to be the point for players. People were in the, in the front office where everything turned up for them. They made a leap as a team, as individuals, injury or not. I can't foresee if this team has another bad season. There's someone in a lottery in a position where they can't, where, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, if you want to, even if you end up with a top five pick, do you want to have to draft another, another guy to develop with, after everything that we've talked about with this team going forward? I mean, it just seems like a, you know, a, a large uh, consumption of errors to trust in Griffin's hands to have to find a way to fix when so far he hasn't shown the ability to do it enough to put together a confident basketball team, whether tragedy strikes or not um so I, I i i don't know man i mean i i think more than anything if the morale even if the morale of the team is right if people inside the organization and on the roster if they if they are messing with him and we're seeing you know just guys that are they're that disconnected from him from that perspective on top of the whole fan base thing mean, we're, we're finally at a spot where almost everybody i talk to on the spaces outside of one guy maybe maybe two had negative things to say about Griffin. It's the first time for me that I've seen that. Um, I don't know how you put him in a situation where he's allowed to do much of anything going forward. Um, I don't know when they, when they pull the plug, but uh, I mean, yeah, man, something drastically, like Kev said, would have to change for me to see a situation where he returned. Um, you know, you gotta make something move really soon to kind of make, clean up the mess however you can. I mean, if he was handed it, especially from what you guys mentioned about him basically being on third base with everything that was given or put forward for this team from an asset and a personnel perspective.
1: Ollie, you know, you, 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 you've heard versions of the Alvin Gentry story. Um, I think the main thing, however it happened, whatever the exchange was, I think ultimately this is about, again, it goes to Griffin's perception within and outside the organization, his credibility, and I think those things have been damaged with the fan base beyond repair. I think they've been damaged around the league beyond repair. Um, And his, again, he was supposed to be the person to make the organization at the very least respectable. And the organization is not respected. Do you think he lasts?
3: Right now, I would say no, Um, and there's a couple key things that are going to determine his fate. One, the Pelicans really are going to have to start playing better at some point in the next three months because the NBA trade deadline is February 10th, essentially, right? Almost three months to today. So I don't know how you can give guy control in making decisions that are going to affect future editions of this roster um, if you are more than halfway out on him or even where close to it. So that's going to be very determinative on how and when these Pelicans start playing better. If they don't, then it's clear. He's definitely done. At some point, the results matter and the way they've been trending downwards and you've got Zion and you've had all this hope and you just throw everything in that Kevin mentioned earlier. You just put it all on the plate. You know, you, you, you should explore going elsewhere. Even the most ardent fans can't defend him anymore. So I think that's pretty clear and cut and dried. But you're right. It's the professionalism. That's the number two thing for me that gets me, you know, biggest thing that they've talked about besides having some sustainable success, organic, all this and that is the fact that everybody's been wanting to build a culture here, right? Pelicans have always been this ugly stepchild to the saints. Well, Griffin was supposed to change that. Gail Benson opened up her pocketbooks. And yet you keep hearing all these stories about the way Griff, has had, you know, some relationships go really South, you know, JJ Reddick last year, but that, you know, we, a lot of us under, kind of understood because we know who kind of JJ is, right. He's, 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 he's one of these players who feels a little bit more entitled than he should, especially considering he's not a star, but Alvin, he's not, he is the most likable, most easy to get along guy. There probably is in the entire NBA. So for, Alvin to be upset and David you know how many times we talked to Alvin and he was always yep. open yep. and upfront about everything so for Alvin to say and do what he did and I've heard pretty much that what Jake Fisher wrote on Bleacher Report is pretty darn accurate in terms of there being kind of that at least that animosity I had heard about it when uh, by the way when the Kings were here in town and I heard because I didn't get a chance to talk to Alvin but I know some people that did and he wasn't happy at all with Griff he's held kind of a grudge about the way he was thrown out of here and stuff and it's completely understandable but for alvin to have it you know how serious their relationship went south and that's that that's that's a non-starter that should be a non-starter for gail benson mickey loomis because if you're going to establish any kind of culture if you don't have that um, type of presence at the top you know being able to get along with everybody being cordial being professional and all this and that then what are you doing that you're fighting yourself on trying to make, turn yourself into a winning franchise. So yeah, like I said, the odds aren't good and I'm pretty sure I know where your, your answer is Greg, but go ahead and let us know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't see how he can surpass, you know, I think he's lame duck now and I think you're right. I, my bet would be that they are, they would promote from within because they, they like Willie and you wouldn't want to take the chance of somebody coming in and saying, that's not the coach I want. I want to move him on when you could have one. I think they're very afraid of making the Monty Williams mistake twice of having a very capable young coach and not sticking with him long enough to get that and bear fruit. And the fact that you're also paying two other coaches still um, some money. So, well, you're not paying Alvin anymore, but you're still paying Stan some money. But I don't think Gail wants to go through that again. And I think you're right. Ultimately, this is about, this is going to become about the results, number one. Because if you, if in three years from having the number one pick, and not just any number one pick, having the generational number one pick, and he's available for less than a third of the games potentially that he could have played in his in those seasons, and you've won your average winning season, your average season is like thirty and forty or thirty and fifty. That's just not what you you could you you were supposed to yield from this. That's just not what you were, where you were supposed to be today. And there's no excuse for it. You can't talk about injuries. You can't talk about all those things because for every one of those, there's a team around this league that I could say, well, what about them? And I think if, you're, if you have to ask those questions to David Griffin today, all he's going to tell you are more things that just sound right, but aren't. And, and I think that's that's the biggest problem is who could trust him you cannot send him back to the fan base again and say i've got it this time trust me because they don't believe it there's no way in that locker room that they haven't read this stuff and heard this stuff and these are young guys so young guys are more prone to think that this shit is funny and I, that that's the part for me is like i don't know how you can have control of the organization this ain't Pat Riley walking down to heat practice and everybody going, oh, shit, Pat's here. We got to you know, act act right. And Griff, I think they've, you know, I think players know. Players know when somebody's not long to be here. And I think that, that's another thing for this team to overcome too is because I think a lot of them know that for sure this group will not come back as it's constructed next season because whomever is here knows that they're going to have to win immediately. And they have to go, and I think that's going to be a big part of how the season plays out too because guys start going for numbers so that they get, before they get out, and then we'll see what happens with that. I don't think Willie will allow it as much as you might think, but everybody's different, and there are going to be guys who do just give up on the season at some point. And, and that's what losing team – it happens on every losing team. It happens on every losing team. There's going to be guys who give up, and I think ultimately that falls on David Griffin. He set this whole thing up to fail. Last thing before we go, I may just end on this. They got back to back um, this weekend, tomorrow, Nets, Saturday, the Grizz, right? Mm -hmm. That is Grizz. Yeah. So two teams, Nets eight and three right now, Grizz six and four. Do you see wins in either of those games?
2: Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. No, I'm i trying to be positive. I, I promise you positive. I am. I mean, I think of course it's, if I had to pick the game that they're more likely to, you know, to pull out, it would be the Memphis game. There's always mm-hmm. a chance that, you know, with the way Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn's record is good, but, you know, they've had, you know, you know, if you know, when you watch them play, you know, they're still, you can tell what they're missing. James Harden is still struggling to, you know, find his, I guess, pre-rule changes uh, self without him being able to get to the free throw line 40 times a game, still working himself back in the, you know, in the shape. Uh, but Kevin Durant has been, has been spectacular. And at the end of the the end of the day has has always been an issue and it's you know an issue for most for most uh uh, guys in this or teams in this league i don't think that they have an answer for kevin durant even if herb jones is guarding him i just think that that's that's going to be unlike anything that herbert's had to see um just the old just the ultimate professionalism and it's all the different tricks and you know and and the way that kevin gets to his spots and it's just it's going to be different from a lot of the matchups that we've seen Herb have to have to see so far um so yeah i i don't think you can really count on a brooklyn game we don't know if brandon does come back for for friday like it seems like it would you know if he will uh i mean will there be a minute restriction i mean i i really can't see it there saturday against the grizzlies you know maybe you know, I know they they just got Dylan Brooks back, um, and as of late they've been struggling when John Morant is, is off the floor. I mean he's had to be spectacular in a lot of these games that they've ended up winning. So I mean there's an opportunity there. You know you can say that you know the Jonas a uh, revenge game of sorts. You know maybe that's a game that they can pull out. But I mean right now until I know what's what's going to be Brandon's status and how many minutes he's going to play, how he's going to work himself back into the rhythm of things. I mean, I can't tell you that they're going to win any any of these games on a back-to-back at that.
1: Kevin, with three games in four days, do you think Brandon plays Friday or do they hold it maybe till Saturday and give him a day of recovery to just see what he feels like before they play him on Monday? Or do you think they just say, look, you got to play, man.
4: Yeah. I mean, looking at, the schedule you you got to assume he's not going to play a back-to-back so you're going to choose one of those games and considering one of those teams is the brooklyn nets and the other team is the memphis grizzlies who you've had like really good success against for the past few years i'd say you would hold him out of the brooklyn game and let him play against memphis and try to get that win um and you know chris is right everything he said about harden is right but what you know about the Pelicans also is we are a cure-all for people who are struggling. And so I expect Harden to have a huge game against us and that sort of turn his season around. Um, That's just how history goes for, for um, struggling guys when they come into the, into the smoothie King center, unless they're on. our. um, And then, you know, I, I really don't expect them to win either game. If Brandon plays against Memphis, I think we have a real fighting chance um, you know, valentinus is going to be out to prove something, but hey, Stephen Adams is probably going to be out to prove something as well. Um, I think uh, nobody's going to be able to contain um, John Morant, even Herb Jones is, you know, they'll put him on him and, and he'll help a little bit. But I think that, you know, he's just playing so high level right now. Uh, and he's so athletic that I think it's going to be a hard matchup for anyone. I, I think you could see Herbert Jones getting into some foul trouble early, too, because, um, you know, we haven't been we haven't really gotten a friendly whistle for, in a while. And I don't see why a, a one in 12 team will uh, when without its superstars playing. And especially, you know, with the, the league surely wants young teams and small markets to have some uh, firepower, some appeal, uh, some star power. Because it makes the lead better, it makes people want to watch the game more, sells lead pass subscriptions, has people tuning in to TBS, I mean, TNT on a um, Tuesday night, those kind of things. So, you know, I, I could see them, you know, leaning the way of the Grizzlies when it comes to calls because they actually have a superstar player on the roster where we probably won't because I'm not sure Brandon plays in either of those games. But if we do, he will, you know, he'll probably play that Memphis game. But, yeah, I, I just – you know, I think it's going to be dark days for a while. And it's not to say that the team won't compete and won't play hard. We see them do that. It's just we're overmatched and overmanned right now.
1: Ollie, the worst 10-game start since the Bensons took over – I mean, uh, excuse me, 20-game start since the Bensons took over is 4-16. and Do you think the Pelicans can get to 4-16 and in these first 20 games?
3: Hmm. I don't know. I've looked at the next five games, right? We're, what, 12 games in, and I know besides the Nets, Grizzlies, Wizards, after that's the Heat and Clippers. I know the Clippers aren't taking anybody by storm, but I've watched. There Paul George is right now. What's These that? The Clippers have won four in a row. Oh, have they? Okay, see, I didn't even know that. But I just know that Paul George has been one of the top five players, easy, in the NBA. So you've got Durant, right, coming up. Then you've got Paul George around the corner, and the Pelicans, as Kevin said, are some magical elixir for guys struggling. So I, I I don't know if they if they don't get that win against the Grizzlies, then there's no chance. But you almost have to think, well, in the next five games, they gotta get at least a couple, right? Because there's only a few more chances after that. So Pacers are coming yeah. up and the Timberwolves after them. But look, they've got to get to those games and they can't go 0-5 here. They've got to get at least a couple wins. Um and I don't know where they're gonna come from. I'm with I'm totally with Chris. I can see maybe them eking out that win against the Grizz, but again. Let's not forget John Morant's hitting another level too, right? He took off last playoffs, and he's been really incredible to watch so far this year. I've caught a couple of games. Wizards, they're shocking everybody. They're leading the East right now. So how they win there. The Heat, they're killers. So, David, answer your question. No, I honestly don't see them at least bettering four and sixteen. Maybe they'll tie, but chances are I'd put my money on three and seventeen.
1: And that's just rough, man. That's, that's crazy.
3: Yeah, that that's terrible.
1: <laughs> guys i hate to end on that down note, but let's let's give one up
3: note. we uh, we
1: gotta have one positive
3: to brandon's go gonna play you. tomorrow and he's gonna play well
1: <laughs> all right that's all he's positive he's calling brandon inger playing tomorrow and playing well chris you got a positive
2: um uh, my positive will be that uh i think you gotta I stop signing, uh, dude I, I i know man i i Listen, I mean, not only not only is it late, man, but God, I mean, you guys this 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 podcast was like a reminder of things that I hadn't thought about in regards to how bad shit is right now. I apologize. Um so I think J V can dominate tomorrow. Uh, you know, Brooklyn, you know, from a front court perspective it's pretty you know, it's pretty small. I mean, you know, you're looking at you're looking at Nick Claxton and Blake Griffin, you know, the Lamarcus just playing a lot of those front court minutes. I think that that, that can be a a um, you know, a situation for him to take advantage of, and I, I guess my other positive is I am going to bank on the kill putting back to back good games together, and maybe starting to get things rolling um, for you know an individual run for him. It may not be close to the leap that you know some takes him to take, but I think he can start to get things in the right direction, and you know maybe tomorrow. Is, you know, another game in which he puts in the bag.
1: Kevin, yeah, you got one.
4: Yeah. I mean, I was going to say Nikhil, but since Chris already took that, um, let's just hope maybe Trey Murphy finds a shot again. And that, that will be exciting. If he can hit some, some threes and just sort of electrify the people that made their way to the arena to cheer on Kevin Durant. Uh, maybe that'll <laughs> spark them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think those are the two possibilities really is, you know, Nas, if Naw turned the corner, if he starts learning how to, you know, that he has to get to the basket and if he starts getting himself to the line, which is something I think he can definitely do against Memphis uh, because their bigs seem to fall a lot. So if he's driving in the paint um, and he can get it, get those guys into foul trouble and live at the line, I think that's something that could really help us win that game. Um, and like Chris said, they're the, the nets are pretty undersized up front. I don't really have a lot of, uh, rim deterrence there. So that's, he should be able to thrive on driving to the basket, especially if, you know, James Harden is guarding him, who seems a little bit, you know, off physically still, um, that, that could, uh, be a huge benefit. But I mean, if, uh, I'm going to sigh like Chris. I'm about, <laughs> to, if, to, I'm about to,
2: Trey, to tell him to stop signing <laughs>
4: Yeah, well, I got the fluke. I got an excuse to make all kind of weird sounds right now. But um, Trey Murphy, yeah, if he can just get going shooting-wise, uh, you know, and he can get maybe like six or seven three-point shot attempts in the next two games and convert like 40% of those, um, I think that would do a lot to energize the fan base. We'll have a young guy to feel good about again. Um, and that – that would be enough to really make people pay more attention to the team or stick with watching the team, even if we're gonna end up being three and seventeen, four, and sixteen over the next twenty games, like I said, if they're putting together at least fun games, at least giving you something that you can root for every game, a guy to watch who's starting to develop and get something together uh you know those are the things you gotta look for, so hopefully you get that from from Trey uh, because we, de- we desperately need it.
1: I think the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to is how they respond to what Willie green said. I want to see if you're going to come out after your coach has told you flat out that this effort, the level of effort wasn't good enough. This is the first real test of the, the metal of this team. Now that it has gotten to the point where the coach has to say something, how do these guys come out of that locker room? Tomorrow night, how are, do they, are, are we seeing them talk? Are we seeing them back to the team that we were told during the summer was, this is the most diving on the floor team I've ever seen. I want to see some, some floor burns. Then, you know, I want to see some physicality. Then if the refs are going to let people push, don't bark at the refs push. So that's what I'm looking forward to. My positive is I think Willie green deserves to get one of these games (laughs) And I would just think that if they if they got to come out and play, you might be able to catch Brooklyn. You might. You might be able to catch them slipping. You might. One, and, I, and I think you, you give them a puncher's chance against Memphis because the one thing that Memphis doesn't do great that the Pelicans can take advantage, hopefully, is Memphis is not a great outside shooting team. So you, if, if, if as long as you don't allow them to get hot, Memphis is going to give you opportunities to be in the game with them. So I think there's a chance to win one of these two. I'm not going to bank on it, but I want to see their response.
3: Yeah, I was just real quick and to add since I only had like two words there. Besides Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, man, I feel like he actually has been kind of a revelation. And that's why I mentioned I wanted to write an article on him. Because if you noticed um, a couple of games ago, he was predominantly besides Devonte Graham bringing up the ball up the court for stretches and making plays. Kyra Lewis, Lewis wanted no part. Other guys didn't want it. Josh did, and you know what? I thought he did a really good job. And if you look at his numbers, right, especially the per 36, not only are the points up, he's shooting the ball well, but like I said, I'm liking the assist to turnover ratio. And when you're grabbing the boards and and you're able to push the way that Green and this coaching staff want you to do, and, and he's doing a lot of good stuff with it, you know, I like it. And therefore, I think he's going to continue his strong play, and he could be another difference maker, especially if BI plays. I could see what you guys are talking about. Maybe they could steal a game from the Nets because it can't just be Durant, right? If Harden has another off game, um, yeah, maybe they could grab one. But like, like, like everybody has said, we cannot bank on it. There's just no way. You're on an eight-game losing streak, and you just fell to the thunder.
1: And, and not I only have that, public about apology. I'll offer a public apology to Josh Hart for saying that Najee could do his <laughs> job. I, will have to, I apologize. I said it. I said it loud. I said it often but I have to apologize to Josh Hart right here, right now.
2: I, am so I was going to say, up. too,
4: about too. Josh Hart is, uh, like, I also like what I've seen from him in terms of leadership and yes. all the car- court fire and what he brings in that avenue because we haven't seen that from a lot of guys except for, like, when Jackson Hayes gets, gets his Instagram highlight of the night. But, um, you know, I feel like he's sort of stepped up more to that role that – that I think the organization was hoping maybe Garrett Temple and Thomas Sadaransky would bring, but we're seeing that more from uh, Josh Hart as sort of mm-hmm. that veteran leader, that rallying guy. So that's been nice to see as well.
1: It looks like Josh is actually added to his
4: game, like legit. Yes, yeah, yep. yeah he, I mean, he's driving to like the basket. He Great. It, it, Have you he noticed his three points,
3: he's, he's, take, he's shooting over 60%, I want to say, of his shots from 10 feet and in. Um I know he's shooting less threes but you know what he's converting at a great rate and he's getting those good looks and they're going in. We haven't seen this out of him. I'm telling you there's something maybe brewing here. Let's Apologies hope. in the
2: paint.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right fellas, we've done enough. Um we'll probably check in you know next week if hopefully the, the losing streak will end by the next time we have one of these. Um but uh, any final words for we all guys? Please uh,
3: get us a win, Pelicans. <laughs> uh, I don't want us to come close to that 13 game losing streak, man. No way. Remember how rough that was? That
4: was bad. It was I would bad. say if we we're have not any. That far now. Sorry, go ahead, grab. What were you saying?
1: No, I was just saying we aren't that far from 13. We're in spitting okay. distance.
4: I was just going to say if we have any. Uh, like, I, I doubt we still do, but if we have any QAnon listeners here, I guess we could start a let's let's go Griffin uh, chant, right? We can do that. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs>
1: all right. That picture that Ali had of him sitting alone in the, in the arena was awesome. He you know, was just sitting so far away from any people that no one could throw something at him. But, all right. No, it's not so, that. <laughs> he was
3: always talking pregame to everybody, and that was just weird to see. That – early in pregame for him to be sitting that far up alone I'd never seen that before that was odd
1: no, I'm, just to, I'm just messing with him
3: um,
4: but
1: I I hope one day I do get to sit down with David Griffin that would be hilarious not doubt it will ever 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 happen ever
4: or at least I hope there's a show that has a claymation fight to the death with you two and that would be funny Like you know if they bring back celebrity death match really?
1: DG versus DG
4: I'll bet um, Grub will be swayed and he would like David ah uh, no way <laughs> No way! No way! Like I, I mean, we've been around that guy. There's no way.
3: I don't know. One no. on one, I bet your Griff could work his magic even on Grub.
4: No, no, no. He is, not, he is not Jim Jones. He is he is not um, Charles Manson. I mean, I've
1: been in front of him. I've looked in his eyes.
4: Yeah. No, that ain't
1: Prince. You know what I mean? You don't get lost in Griffith. No, they work for me. No, no.
4: He's not the Bob yeah, yeah. Wong
1: in
3: draw.
1: All right, <laughs> Chris, story, you got uh, anything, bud? Um, Chris,
2: save I us. I think ending ending any type of podcast with me thinking about Grub and Griffin looking into each other's eyes is good <laughs> enough for me.
4: Yeah.
1: All right, dude. Until the next time. For Kevin Barrios, for Chris Connor, for Ali Cosell, I am David Grubb, and this has been The Bird Calls. In the words of our esteemed friend Preston Ellis, let's go, Pell.
4: Let's go, Griffin.
0: listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Kristen, cut that part off. Preston, <laughs> cut this part off the end. Don't, don't let that go. <laughs> that